Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. All right, well, what would Jesus undo? You know, Jesus came to undo the works of darkness or the works of the enemy. And if there's ever a time I'd like to see the undo bit, the undo button hit in society, an undo button hit in culture. And this would be a great time. Like if there was a big button, you know, that you could go press, it would just undo. This would be the time to press it. And uh, Jesus came to undo. I want to talk about today. Jesus came to undo despair. And uh, I think that, you know, this is, this is timely. The, uh, it, as, we, as we enter into the, I don't even know what to call it anymore, as we enter into a, yet another semi-lockdown, it, it was funny because as the, you know, we kind of knew what the first one was like and we made it, yet as I found as the, as the announcements came forward, it's just like I found all the stress just like pour, it's like there's just a little container of stress that just got poured right back into my life. And it was just like right back into the thick of anxiety and stress from March and April. And, and uh, you know, there, Jesus has come to undo the works of darkness, the works he's come to undo despair. And so we are in our Advent series. And so I, that's about all I want to talk about um, COVID. And I want to talk about uh, arrival. I want to talk about what Advent means. Or, uh, the, the word Advent, actually, it, it's Latin for arrival. The arrival. It's preparing the way for, for the one who's going to arrive. And the, the whole theme of Advent, it's about making room for Christ. It's about making room for what he wants to do in our lives, what he wants to work in our hearts, what he wants to work in our, in our homes and in our families. And, and uh, it's, it's about making, it's, it's preparing the way for the king. And so one of the, one of the most prominent uh, declarations of preparing the way for the, for the coming king was actually John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, this is, John, the, John had one message. If you showed up to hear John preach, you got one message. If you went twice, you got the same message. If you went three times, you got the same message. If you went 22 times to hear John preach, it's like, John, get a new message. He had one message, and it was this. Uh, we'll read from John chapter 3. And uh, it's around the same time, this is the time that Jesus began to enter into ministry. Around the same time, a man called John began to travel, preach, and ritually wash people through baptism in the wilderness of Judea. John preached a stern but exciting message. How, how many like stern but exciting messages? This was John's message. John, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Every time you went to hear John, he said the same thing. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And John's proclamation fulfilled a promise made by the ancient prophet Isaiah, who said, there will be a voice calling from the desert saying, prepare the road for the eternal one's journey. Repair and straighten out every mile of our God's highway. Prepare the road for the eternal one's journey. This, is, this was John's 
message. This was John the Baptist's message, repent. And the, we, have such a, we have such a negative image of the word repent in our culture because of the way we've wielded it. And it, the, uh, the word repent is actually not a negative word. The word repent, uh, basically it means to return to life the way God intended it. It's to return to things that work. It's to go back to ways that were effective. It's to step back into patterns and ways of living that God has designed for us. It's to live in harmony and alignment with the God who made you. It's to think about the world in a new way and view life in a different light. This is, this is what this word repent means. It means go back to something that works. Go or go to something that works. Now, John was an interesting character. John was born into privilege. He was, he was the son of uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was, was one of the high priests in the temple. And he was, he was, John would have been born as a notable pastor's kid. Like that's basically, that's basically, you know, the, the Zechariah was kind of like one of the mega pastors in the community. And, and John was his note. Now, John was an interesting guy. It says, verse 4 of chapter 3, John wore wild clothes made from camel hair and a leather belt around his waist. I'm not sure what you make out of camel hair, but I'm sure it's interesting. It says, the clothes of an outcast, a rebel. He ate locusts and wild honey. Now, if John lived today as the son of a mega pastor, as a mega church pastor's son, John would be in the news. He would be featured. He would probably, like, wild locusts and honey. I mean, this guy would have his own reality TV show. I don't know what that show would be named. Wild Man. I'm not... Maybe if you're online, you can come up with a name for John's reality TV show as he makes up his own clothes, shows you how to make your own camel hair clothing and eat locusts and honey. Wouldn't that be a great episode where he retrieves the wild honey? <laughs> John totally worked outside the established system. He was the son of a preacher. He was the son of the priest, but he did not serve in the temple. He's, he went completely outside the established system of the day. And he lived like a bushman. And he, he had one message. This guy was not your calm, serene, let's just sit and meditate leaders out in the wilderness. He, he, was, he was a bit of a wild radical. And his message was singular. Prepare the way for the coming king. Prepare the way for the Messiah. Prepare yourself for the coming king. And that's what, that's what the message of Advent is. It's making, making ourselves ready for what God wants to do in our lives. It's making ourselves, uh, it's recognizing where we have just kind of mindlessly embraced systems of thinking, ways of going through life that aren't effective. Or are just not, they're just not God's ways. And so every season of life, God wants to arrive in a new way in our lives. 
He wants to arrive and he wants to do something new and fresh in a way that transforms us and leaves us changed. And, uh, and uh, this is where the prophecy of, of Jesus, Isaiah 9 verse 2 about the coming of Christ to the earth. Is, Isaiah 9 2 says this, the people who had been living in darkness had seen, have seen a great light. The light of life has shined on those who dwelt in the shadow, shadowy darkness of death. Jesus came to shine light into the darkness. He came to undo despair. He came to undo discouragement. He came to undo misery, desolation, hopelessness, anguish, depression. He came to undo these works. He came to undo these things. And in, in this time where we are literally entering into a season of darkness, I mean, the days are getting shorter. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. You know what? Just two more weeks, guys, and they're getting longer again. Just two more weeks, and the days are getting longer again. But in this, in this time where darkness just seems to, to oppress, Jesus came to shine light into the darkness. He came to bring hope and joy and life to people. And Advent is about recognizing where our lives are. Uh, where the where the, our lives have been built on systems of the world and not on the systems that God has given us, it's about what's what we're looking to to fill us, to satisfy us. It's about what we're looking to, what we're what we're building our lives on. It's about it's about taking like it's like it said in the in uh, the first scripture. It's preparing the road for Jesus to come into our lives. It's repairing and straightening out every mile of that path. So sometimes, sometimes you have to fill in the potholes, but sometimes you gotta knock stuff down. Sometimes you have to take areas in your life that, you know what, I've built on things that are not reliable. See, we cannot be light, but we can prepare for light. We can't, we recognize in, in Advent, we recognize that true life comes from God. And we have to make room for that life to fill our, that light and life to fill our lives. We cannot generate hope, but we can make room for hope. You know, oftentimes we confuse happiness with joy and hope. But hope and joy are not happiness. See, happiness, what's the difference between happiness and joy is that happiness is something we pursue. Happiness is something we, we kind of seek to get it for ourselves. But joy is something we make room for. Hope is something that we make room for because it's received. And, and taking, see, we try and take happiness, but we, we don't, we can't take joy. We have to receive joy. We can't take hope, but we can receive hope. And taking and receiving, they seem similar, but they're actually opposites. See, taking means I'm asserting myself, but receiving means I'm surrendering myself. When I receive something, I have to set my pride aside to receive. How many of you are good at receiving gifts? Melissa is good at receiving gifts. Yeah. Some of us, how many of you are actually quite poor at receiving gifts? I'm, I'm poor at receiving gifts. Why? Because it's humbling to receive a gift. 
When someone gives you something, it's humbling. And so it's easy for me to give gifts because you can take pride in the fact you gave something. But when you get something, you just have to say thank you and receive it. And see, the thing with, with the, the joy and the hope that God wants to bring is it can't, it can't be connected to your ego or your pride. You can't make it and get it. You just have to humble yourself, repent, and receive it. And that's hard on us. That's, that's, uh, we want to be able to take some credit for fixing ourselves, don't we? True joy, true hope, it comes from receiving the promise that God offers to us. And see, with happiness, happiness can actually become an idol that we seek to take for ourselves. And in the, in the, in the process of trying to, trying to obtain happiness, we can actually lose joy and hope. Because happiness is fragile. Happiness is based on circumstance. But I can give you, as, as sure as the sun is going to set in the West tonight, you are going to go through situations that what your, your trust is in physically will get broken down. And if your happiness is based on that, your, your happiness will break down with it. But hope doesn't have to break down just because circumstance, because circumstances are difficult. You cannot work your way into the hope that God gives, but you can make room for the hope that God gives. And so today I want to I talk about uh, how to make room for, for hope and joy to grow in our lives. And I want to talk really specifically about the, if you want to put a spiritual practice to this, I would call this, um, I would put this kind of under the category of slowing. Just the spiritual practice of slowing, of, of waiting. Oh, I hate that word. Waiting? Just say it. Waiting. None of us like to wait. We've been taught not to wait. We've been taught that if service is good, we won't have to wait. If a place is good, we won't have to wait. Guess what? God is good, and he'll make you wait. Waiting, mindful meditation, learning, growing, just the, what slowing does to us is it causes, it gives, it prepares the way for us to grow. Isaiah 30 verse 15, it says this, in repentance and rest is your salvation, and in quietness and trust is your strength. In repentance and rest is your salvation, which in the Hebrew, that's liberation and deliverance and deliverance from trouble, and in quietness and trust is your strength, which is your victory. That, these are not highly active words. These are, these are words of, of stopping, of slowing down, and change. In the, in the Greek language, the, the word repentance is uh, uh, meta, metanoia, and it comes from two words, meta, which means to renew and restore, and noia, which means to think. So literally, repentance is, it's, it's literally renewing the way that we think. 
It's taking the time to stop and pay attention to the way we think, but then to renew the way that we think. And so I want to talk about this slowing or active waiting. Active waiting, not passive waiting, because there is a, there is a waiting where you just like, well, if, it, if God wants it to happen, it will happen. If God wants it to be, it'll be, and then we just go back to Netflix. And that's not, that's not waiting. That's, that's just apathy. And apathy and waiting are different. If this is active waiting. This is a, a great illustration. Active waiting, if I were to make a comparison to what active waiting, I know there's probably not a lot of hunters in the room, but I'm just going to use a hunting illustration for a moment here. When you're hunting, you wait a lot. Like, People kind of, if you watch the, if you watch reality shows of hunters, they don't show six straight hours of you sitting in a tree. Because no one would watch it. But as you sit in your tree, or in my case, behind a bush, on my padded insulated chair, I'm actively waiting. And it's not, it's not sit there and read a book. It's not sit there and watch a, sh- a program on your, on your phone. Because if you do, you're going to miss the purpose you're out there for. Do you know what you do? You sit there and you watch. And you watch attentively. Because you'll sit there for hours. And then all of a sudden, you will see movement. And you'll have about seven seconds before your opportunity walks through the bush on the other side. If you're not alert, you miss your opportunity. It's active waiting, so you're ready. And you know, when it comes to our spiritual lives, waiting is not just sitting at home doing nothing. Waiting is active. It's being alert, it's being ready. Waiting and spiritual vitality go hand in hand. Isaiah 40 says, those who wait for Yahweh's grace will experience divine strength. This, uh, this word wait is active. This is those who are attentive will experience divine strength. They'll rise up on soaring wings and fly like eagles. They'll run their race without growing weary and they'll walk through life without giving up. The first people we see in the gospel stories, are, they're all people that are waiting You see the the father of John the Baptist, Zechariah, waiting in the temple, serving and waiting in the temple. When he gets the message, your wife will become pregnant. We see Mary waiting with child. We see Simeon in the temple. He's waiting in the temple because God has revealed to him that he would not see death before the arrival of the Messiah. So he is showing up to the temple, waiting to see the Messiah. You see Anna, the elderly widow, widow, same thing, waiting and worshiping in the temple, waiting for the coming Messiah. And then we see Jesus. He arrives on the scene, and then we don't see anything from him for 30 years. Nothing happens for 30 years. Let me, let me talk about waiting right here. Waiting is not doing nothing. 
Waiting is not doing nothing. Waiting is it's active. It's anticipating the promise that empowers us to stay where we are and choosing practices that cause faith and hope to grow in our lives. And, and you know, all of us know in relationships, not every, every date is a banner date. Not every time, every conversation is not this stellar, eye-gazing moment where we feel unity with one another in the universe. Isn't this true? Maybe some of you have this. God bless you. But it's all active. And in, in those moments, there will, be, there will be very significant moments that take place, but you don't know when those moments will take place. So we have to be active in all of the moments. The secret of waiting is the faith that God has planted a seed in our lives. And that seed will flourish if we create the conditions that allow it. If we, if we, if we form in our lives the conditions that allow that seed, that promise to grow. It's the conviction that something is happening in my life or in the lives of those around me. And I want to be present to that moment. I want to be present to that promise. I, I don't want to miss it. Just like hunting, you miss the opportunity because you're not, you're not attentive to the moment. I want to be attentive to the moment. A waiting person is a patient person. It's the willingness to stay where we are and live in the situation, live the situation we're in out to the full with the belief that something is hidden in this situation that will manifest itself to us of great value. Active waiting is not striving, but it's doing the things that fuel strength and faith in our lives so the promise of God can grow and flourish. Waiting is countercultural. To, and to survive our hyper-living pace, we need to understand that, that waiting is a fundamental component to healthy living. Impatience gets us into trouble. How many have a financial story to tell? because of your impatience getting you into trouble. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. So when we walk with God, we learn to be patient. All right, I need to move along here. Active waiting really covers three areas of our life. And this is why I say active, or let me go to the scripture here. Luke chapter 2 and verse 40. It says, there... This is, this is in Bethlehem, or this is, sorry, Nazareth. Uh, there Jesus grew up, maturing in physical strength, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God rested upon him. There you go. Luke 2 and verse 40. What do we got here? 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. 20 words. 20 words about the life of Jesus those 20 words represent the greatest portion of Jesus' timeline on earth than all the rest of what's written in the Gospels. Those 20 words, they're words of waiting. They're words of waiting. These are the first 30 years of Jesus' life. All the rest we re read is about three years, but those three years all rest on what happened in the 30 years previous to those three years. 20 words that is more time 
than all the rest of the events. And I want to tell you, you'll, there's events in your life that will be significant and profound, but it's, it's those, what you do in the waiting that determines what happens in those other events. Jesus grew in three things. He grew up maturing in physical strength, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God rested upon him. So let's talk about these three. Physical strength. So often in the church world, we neglect this. The physical strength. But your spiritual life actually depends on the health and condition of your body. We, we talk about body, soul, and spirit. But there's actually, biblically speaking, there actually isn't really a division. They're all connected to each other. They all, if you take my body away from me, like the way I function will change dramatically. You know, if you take my soul out of me, take my, take my brain, some of you might think, no, that was already taken. No worries there. <laughs> it's all connected together. We are one being. And so we need to be healthy in these three areas, the, the body. And uh, what's interesting, I was reading a, a medical art article this week, and it said this study showed that regular aerobic exercise is as effective as an antidepressant in reducing symptoms of mild to moderate depression. And that's not just because moving might help you get into shape and feel better about yourself. Exercise actually causes the same structural changes to the brain as an antidepressant. Sydney and Auckland doctors have been instructed that if the, their patient is sedentary, they are to first prescribe physical activity before prescription antidepressants. Isn't that interesting? Why do we don't do that in North America? The, the reason we don't do it is that the medical system doesn't make any money off of you going to the gym or going for a run. They make money up. And, and you say, well, is this, is this the answer for everything? No, it's not. But if this is missing... This is a great place to start. This is a great place to start. I wouldn't be so simplistic to think that it's the only place. If this component is missing, if the physical component is missing, more prayer is not going to fix that. More Bible reading won't fix that. You need to... You, you need to give to your body what your body needs. Give to your soul what your soul needs. And give to your spirit what your spirit needs. The second thing Jesus grew in was wisdom. And, uh, you know, a great practice for wisdom is just the, the practice of learning and growing. This is, uh, you know, the practice of scripture before phone. Or may, maybe this would be a better way to put it, is spiritual growth before entertainment and technology. Just making sure, or even to say to entertainment, let, before work, before the busyness of the world enters in, make sure you're getting, you're getting time to build yourself on the inside, to, to strengthen yourself on the inside. Matthew 7, Jesus said, everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man or woman who built their house on an unshakable foundation. Everyone who hears my teaching and does it. Well, we have to hear it before we can do it. Take that time. Take 10 to 20 minutes. Instead of checking your emails, just start with the promises of God. Just start. Maybe it's a, a devotion. There's a, on, the, on the online location, there's a devotional series we're going through right now about, about Advent, the coming of the King. Just take that. 
And then the last thing Jesus grew in was grace. It says he, he grew in grace. And one translation says he grew in favor with God and with man. And you, you know what this is? This is about relationship. This is about relationship. Make sure you are taking time to build your relationships. Even like now more so than ever that we're just being intentional. And a great practice here is a meal with others every day. You know, um, relationships thrive in the presence of people. So even though in, in this season, it's, it's a challenge to gather with people, there are still things we can do to intentionally connect with others. There's still things, there's still steps we can take to make sure. Jim Wilder, he, he writes this, he says, when we're able to stay relationally connected to others and God, we're able to experience joy while we suffer. He's a neuroscientist. Staying connected, staying in relationship. You know, in our home, our table has, has transformed to this anchor of our home that every, every evening we're together and it's like you're not gonna go eat supper by yourself. Doesn't matter how busy or it's like we are together. And it's so funny the effect that that has to just take you out of your individual life and put you back together with others again. It's so powerful. And it's so easy to get out of the habit. 42% of North Americans eat alone. 42%. We need community. We need to, and this is, this is what, this is grace. These moments where God brings us together, connects us together. You know, the greatest things in life, they're not, they're not achievements. They're these moments that are where we're together these moments that, that we, we can't even necessarily plan for them. All we can do is be present for them. That's what, this, that's what active waiting is. It's being present in the moment so that when, when God wants to do something significant, we're there and we're ready to experience it. Let's stand up. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you that you shine light into our darkness. You shine light into the areas of our life where we're challenged. You shine light into the areas of our life where we have lost hope, where we don't see the way out. And Father, in this season, we wanna just prepare the way for you to move in our lives. We wanna prepare the way for you to move in our relationships, in our family. And Father, we just, invite you to fill and inhabit our lives, to fill and inhabit our hearts and our spirits, our relationships, our families and our homes. And Father, I just pray right now for all those that are here and all those that are watching that are in this, they would, they would totally identify with that, those sitting in darkness. Father, I pray that you would you would shine light into those situations, that, that you, would, you would teach us how to make the way for you to, to move in our lives. How to set aside the voices of the world that just bring discouragement or angst and to embrace your, your word, 
to embrace your voice, to embrace your heart and your spirit. Father, I pray that we would, we would just turn over the despair that, the, that the, seems to be the theme around us and we would embrace your hope. We would receive your hope and your joy in its place. Thank you, Father. I'm going to pray another prayer, and it's just a prayer saying yes to Jesus. And if you're here and you've never prayed that prayer, or you're watching online and you've never, you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never said yes to following him or walking in his plan, I want to invite you to just pray with us right now as we pray. Let's pray, Jesus, I say yes to you. I want to follow you. I want to learn what it means to follow your ways and to walk in your ways and to experience life the way that you intended it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.